Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fairweather Fan Podcast. My name is Anthony Corby, and today I am going to be going over, well, the main topic for today is obviously going to be the NBA trade deadline, which is tomorrow, probably at around 24 hours after the time this is uploading, a little bit before that. Uh, But I'm also going to be talking, I'm going to be bringing this up again about the Flyers. Are they buyers or sellers at the NHL trade deadline this year? And then finally, I'm going to talk about what message NASCAR is sending to its fans and people that just watch the sport and pay attention to the sport in general. What message are they sending by not suspending Noah Gregson for the incident at Atlanta the other day? But first things first, we got our first subscriber on YouTube the other day. And after the first few videos didn't get any views, we're up to two or three views now per video. I think the most recent one, let me just make sure that I'm being factually correct. Uh, the first podcast got one view, it was probably me. Second one got zero views. Uh, the disappointment video got two. And then the last podcast got three views. So we're getting there. Four videos in and we're ready at three views. And it's going to take a while to get a lot more, I know, but we're getting there. And so just requires patience, I guess. But anyway, let's get started. Philadelphia 76ers, what moves should they make at the trade deadline this year? And so the way I'm going to break this down is I'm going to focus on the Sixers' perspective first, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the players that they could get. So, in my eyes, there are, uh, there are three tiers of players or items that are available. Um, those you do not give up for any reason, those that you might consider giving up for two players, so like if the Sixers trade... Um, you know, for Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick, who might they give up, you know, in exchange for getting that extra piece in J.J. Redick to come off the bench? And then who are you willing to give up? Like, which which players are you, like, 100% willing to give up? And so, I think the hardest category, the hardest way to distinguish between uh, two of these are the players that you're willing to give up and then might consider, you know, but, you know, I, I'm, I advise strongly against giving them up unless you get, like, like I said, two pieces in return or, you know, somehow are still able to win the trade by giving up these guys, but it would be a really difficult trade to make. So players you don't give up. These are pretty straightforward. Uh, you don't give up Embiid, obviously. Um... You know, he's the star player, league MVP. Um, You don't give up Simmons, even though they were talking about trading Simmons early in the year. Um, I don't think you give him up at this point. He struggled recently, but his defense is has really been helping this team recently. I mean, like not counting the the third quarter of the Warriors game, his defense has been really, really good. And even though he struggled offensively, you still don't give him up for anybody. Uh, Tobias Harris, that goes without saying. Um, I think he's still in, what, like, he's still got four years or three years left of that max contract. So I don't even know if anybody would take that deal. Uh, And I know the Sixers wouldn't be willing to give him up. Shake Milton. So Milton has struggled recently, but he's also kind of a key piece. He 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 made a good case for himself earlier in the year for sixth man of the year. 
Um, but then he got injured and he struggled a little bit since that. Uh, so, still don't give him up. He's still got promise. He'll return to form. Seth Curry returned to form after his, um, uh, after he got COVID. Uh, so it's going to take a little bit, but then I think Milton's going to return to form, uh, hopefully sometime in the next week or so. Because uh, you can't blow a 24-point lead to the Warriors every night and then expect to still win that game by double digits. Paul Reed. They're not going to give up Paul Reed. This guy is going to be, I think, one of the best guards in the NBA in a few years. And I think like the Sixers would be stupid to trade him. I mean, not only was he rookie in the year, uh, rookie of the year in the G League, but he was the um, the league MVP too. And so they've called him up, and he's gotten a few baskets so far. He's still kind of like a third tier player. They're kind of keeping him on the bench. Um, but you know, he's he's one of those guys that comes in in the blowout games. Uh, but I think next year. He could definitely be kind of a second-tier guy, a guy that plays every game, you know. I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see who they trade away and who they retain in free agency uh, and all that good stuff. But Paul Reed, I think, uh, is going to be one of the best guards in the NBA one day. They just got to keep him. Uh, and then Dwight Howard. They're not going to trade Dwight Howard. He's kind of their backup center regardless now. Um, and that, that's it. That's the, that's the entire list for the guys that I say you absolutely do not give up. So think about some of the players that I haven't mentioned. And now I'm going to try to break those down into two different categories. So I've got in the category, don't give up. You don't give up Embiid. You don't give up Simmons, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, Paul Reed, Dwight Howard. Now. Players you're willing to give up. Players whose names have... Well, first of all, players whose names have been mentioned in trade talks. And then players whose names haven't been mentioned. And I'm actually going to make an adjustment here. Because I actually wrote this before last night. But uh, I put Tony Bradley in the list of players you should be willing to give up. Not anymore. Last night he bought out. So I'm going to put that... I'm going to put him up in the... Uh, might consider for two players category. Um, but also, one of the players that hasn't been mentioned is Isaiah Joe, who was promising, and a lot of Sixers fans like Isaiah Joe, um, but he hasn't really been performing as of late. So, if, you're, if your motto is win now, if you can give up Isaiah Joe and get Lonzo Ball or Kyle Lowry in return, that's a good deal. Um... So, that, that's, that's one of the guys that hasn't been mentioned. The guys who have been mentioned, Tyrese Maxey, Mike Scott, uh, draft picks, and most of the lower end of the bench, those guys uh, could definitely be given up. I know we talk a lot about prospects, um, who the Sixers could, you know, trade to a rebuilding team like the Pelicans. I mean, the Pelicans are supposed to be good, but they're not, so they're technically still rebuilding. Or the Raptors, who are looking to basically build a new core. You know, after DeMar DeRozan left, after uh, Kawhi Leonard left, now they're looking to get rid of their franchise player, Kyle Lowry, obviously. And the Sixers are in the mix for him. So I think that the Raptors would definitely take some combination of, Mac of uh, Tyrese Maxey, Mike Scott, 
Um, obviously draft picks, and then most of the lower end of the bench. The young guys on uh, the end of the bench that usually don't play unless there's like a, a blowout going on. And the Sixers are winning by 30 in the fourth quarter. Um, going into fourth quarter, or even 20, honestly. And then the players that you might consider in exchange for two players. And so I was thinking about this in the sense that, you know, who would you give up for both Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick? And this is, uh, this is a difficult topic. So I put on this list Matisse Thibel, Seth Curry, Furkan Korkmaz, Danny Green, and now Tony Bradley. Now I'm going to try to talk about each player one by one. And like who, what, what deals would make sense. Hope, or I'll, I'll try to craft ideas that'll make sense for trades. So Thibel is excellent defensively, but we all know that the NBA is a very offensive league. You know, the Nets right now are probably the best team in the league, and they have no defense, and they're winning without KD and and Kyrie. Actually, last night they beat the Blazers on the road without KD or Kyrie. You know, that goes that kind of goes up there. I mean, yeah, they have Blake Griffin. That kind of goes up there with our Bucks loss. You know, we barely lost to the Bucks in overtime on a back-to-back without our star player. Like, the Nets, they're a good team. And I hate to admit it, but they're a good team. And so, if you're going to trade Thibel, you should get some guys in return. But, obviously, defense isn't... Defense doesn't matter as much anymore because Kyrie and KD and James Harden, those guys are pretty much automatic. So in a four-game series, you're going to have to beat them offensively somehow. And Simmons is great on defense, and I think that could definitely play to the advantage of the Sixers. Um, and, you know, Embiid's good on defense as well. Obviously a big rebounder. Dwight Howard recently, I mean, he the monster block that he had the other night on Julius Randle, my God, <laughs> that was crazy. That made, like, all the NBA highlights. Um, but, yeah, and then you've got, um, you, you've definitely already got defense there, and I guess Matisse Stiebel is really, like, a really good defensive piece, and I hope they don't give him up. But... I definitely wouldn't trade him for Lowry or Lonzo Ball alone. You know, he's so good defensive. I I think, like, if they gave him more minutes, he would be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Like, the amount of blocks that this guy's had this year has been insane. And I think offensively he could step up as well. But if you're talking about winning now, I would definitely put Package Thibel in with... Um, probably Maxi, Mike Scott, and some draft picks in order to get Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick, if that's the way the Pelicans go. And we'll see if they accept that trade. I mean, they they might. I mean, Maxi's a really good player as well. Mike Scott is pretty good. Um, They're also pretty young. I mean, Mike Scott's uh, a little bit older than Maxi and Thibel, but, you know. Generally, that would definitely help the Pelicans build their core up, and so that's four things that they were they'd be getting in exchange for Alonzo Ball. 
and J.J. Redick to come off the bench. And just imagine how deep that bench would be. Um, we'll get to that in a bit, but that would be a really, really just absolutely loaded bench. And then Seth Curry. It's difficult with Seth Curry because uh, he's been kind of getting back to form as of lately. You know, he had that ankle injury, obviously, of a, a couple of weeks ago, so or about a week ago. Um, but before that, he was getting really back to where he was before COVID. And so he's been, his three-point percentage has been going up. He, I know he had that game uh, a while ago where we were all thinking, oh, they should definitely trade this guy if they can, where he shot like 0 for 10 or 0 for 12 or something from three. But since that game, I mean, he's really been stepping it up. And the Sixers have needed him. And so getting those three-point buckets has been huge. But again, like, he could definitely also be another guy who's packaged in for J.J. Redick and Lonzo Ball. And I mean, J.J. Redick, he's not as good defensively, but he was a reliable three-point shooter for the Sixers. Like, that that lineup offensively back in 20, 2019, that was, where it was Simmons, Redick, Butler, Harris, Embiid. Uh, you know, J.J. Redick was their main guy for shooting. And you definitely need that. And they almost won with that, with that lineup. I mean, could you imagine those, those guys, they would have gone to the NBA Finals if they won that series. And so if you can get a shooter like J.J. Redick back and have him on the bench, I mean, because, again, I'll talk about starting lineups in a second, but you get Lonzo Ball... And then, what, his substitution, or Simmons substitution, is J.J. Redick? Like, that would be great for them. Um, and then, Furkan Korkmaz and Danny Green, we've been yelling about them all season. But they're still pretty good players. I don't see a one-for-one -one deal happening, or even a two-for-one deal happening with either of them. You know, where the Sixers aren't losing that trade. Um, well, I mean... I guess if you trade green for ball, then yeah, that would be a huge win for the Sixers. But I don't see, like... I mean, they've been clutch for the Sixers the last couple of weeks. I mean, <clears throat> Furkan uh, hit that game-tying three, and he's also had uh, over 15 points a game for at least the last couple of games. Not including last night. I don't know what he finished with last night. And then Danny Green came up clutch in that overtime against the Knicks, and then in regulation as well, um, you know, he's been finding his stride lately as well, so, like, I don't know what, what he finished with yesterday, though, um, I know he was two for six at some point, you know, his game, his game works for him when, um, show me previous games, man, I'm trying to find the score, his game works for him when he's actually hitting threes. When he's missing everything, that's really just detrimental to the 76ers in trying to win. And now I can't find this game. There we go. I'm trying to find one simple box score. Oh, wait. No, that's the wrong one. I hit the next game. And now I got to go all the way back down. 
But, I mean, Green is, in the playoffs, Danny Green, if he stays on the Sixers, is going to be a really key piece for them. Like, the, it's going to be the difference between winning in, or beating Brooklyn and losing in the second round again. Like, that's how important Danny Green is. He finished with 11 points, by the way. 4 for 9, 3 for 8 from 3. That's actually pretty good. Um, 11 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. Uh, no steals or blocks yesterday. That's kind of surprising. He's usually recording one of those two. Um, but if they if they keep Danny Green and it, and he's cold in the playoffs, like he was in the last playoffs with the Lakers, he was kind of cold. I don't think that the Sixers even are gonna match up against the Nets. Like that's supposed to be the favorite right now, but. The Sixers, I don't think, with the team they have right now, they're not getting that first seed. Um, you know, with the way the Nets are playing. And when KD and Kyrie come back, you know, that's going to be a completely different animal. And the Sixers are going to have to go up against that animal at some point later in the season. Um, but those guys, Furkan, Korkmaz, and Danny Green, they've been really clutch for the Sixers. So I don't think you give them up. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't even, like, you, you don't, you don't give them up for one player. You don't give them up for just Kyle Lowry or just Lonzo Ball. Like, you have to give them up. If you're giving up one of those players, it has to be for two players. Like, maybe a three-team trade, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the two major trades that the Sixers are talking about right now are uh, getting Lonzo Ball or Kyle Lowry. And if you go for two players, you're getting Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick. And if you go for Kyle Lowry, apparently they want to see if they can get Lowry and DeMar DeRozan in a three-team trade. So, I guess sending guys to San Antonio and then sending other guys to Toronto in exchange for getting both of them in the same place. At least that's been the talk on NBA Twitter. I have no idea if that'll actually happen. Um, but, I mean, Lowry's pricey enough. I think that the best bet for the Sixers right now is to go after um, Lonzo Ball and, if possible, J.J. Redick. And so, who would you give up for those guys? My ideal trade would be Matisse Thybul, Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, and then a bunch of draft picks. If you get those two guys in return, long-term, it's not a good trade. If you think the Sixers can be competitive long-term, the problem is Embiid is 27 now. I don't know how old Simmons is. He's up there as well. Um... Ben, well, Ben Simmons is 24, so he's got a bit more time. Um, but Embiid probably has four or five more years until he starts to decline. Unless he goes, unless he's like Tim Duncan. I mean, he wears 21, so he might be. But, you know, Embiid's production is not always going to be where it is. 
And he's had three monster seasons in a row now where he's been an MVP candidate going back to the 2018-19 season. Last year he was great. This year he's uh, he was the front runner for MVP until he got injured. Um, and now it's kind of up for grabs. I, I still think Jokic is going to win it, and he probably deserves it with the amount of time that Embiid's going to be out or be out. Um, you know, we'll see. I still think that Embiid is the best player in the league. He's definitely the most valuable player to his team. Um, you know, even though they're winning without him now somehow, they're winning kind of these games that, um, you know, they should be winning. I mean, ex with the exception of the Knicks, because the Knicks are good now. Um, but before that, I mean, they... If you remember back to that game they dropped against Detroit, they lost out wildly without Embiid. And that was that was insane. So like you you've you've got to produce basically you've got to produce now. You've got to win a championship in either this year or next year for the Sixers. And they had a chance in 2019. They uh, they almost did it in 2019. If it wasn't for that damn Kawhi Leonard buzzer beater, they would have won the title that year if they won that game in overtime. Um, you know, th this is a mo this is a moment for the Sixers because I anticipate probably not five years down the line, but around ten years down the line, they're going to be rebuilding again, somewhere between five to ten years down the line, but probably not. Probably on the later end of that, they're going to be rebuilding again. Um, and you just hope they're as successful as before. But these next two to three years, that's when um, that's when your championship window is open. So the trade deadline is 3 o'clock tomorrow. Most of the major trades are probably going to be announced shortly after that, or either shortly before that or shortly after that. Um, I know with the MLB, it's usually, like, the trade deadline is at 4 o'clock, I think. And then all the trades come in shortly after that. Like, you hear little rumors and stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. But, um, but the, uh, you, you don't, like, actually hear that the trades went through or they're official until afterwards um and so i i remember I, in 2019 uh on the day of the mlb trade deadline july 31st i was standing outside citizens bank park with a bunch of other philly fans right before they played the san francisco giants and we found out like there like literally at before we were let in the stadium it was me um, and then two other guys, and we were talking about all the trades that were happening, and Zach Greinke got traded to the Astros, and, uh, Corey Dickerson got traded to the Phillies, and we were, like, we, we watched everything happen live. That was, that was a really crazy experience. Like, not watching the coverage, but, like, being outside of a baseball game while all these trades are happening... Trades that concern your team, like guys on the other end of that gate are making trades. You know, calls are flying, stuff like that. <clears throat> that was a crazy experience, I'll say that. Anyway, let's move on now. This is probably going to be a shorter podcast than usual. 
Um, the Philadelphia Flyers. Are the Flyers buyers or sellers at this year's NHL trade deadline? And I brought this up in a podcast a few weeks ago. Um, the Islanders game throws this into question, and so does the Devils game. I mean, the Devils game, you know, basically what you had was the tale of two losses. A good loss and a bad loss. And the Devils were a bad loss. And I know they were playing on a back-to-back. I don't care that they scored two goals late. They lost that game 4-1 to in my eyes. I mean, any time that you go down three goals, the game with, like, 20 minutes left to play, unless you're the Boston Bruins playing the Toronto Maple Leafs at TD Garden, that game is pretty much over. Um, so... The Islanders game really throws this into question, particularly, because they actually played a complete game that day. And so, I think that Shane Gossespierre needs to go regardless if Chuck if Chuck Fletcher knows what he's doing. My answer, which was my answer a couple of weeks ago, or a couple, like a week ago, I think that podcast was released. My answer is that the Flyers are still sellers. Unless they win... What do they have? Four games left this month. My original goal that I wanted them to meet was for them to get 14 of 18 points, or at least 13 of 18. They're not going to get that unless, I mean, no matter what, they're not going to get that. The maximum they can get is 12 of 18 in that stretch. Um, And that's only if they win the next four games. But they're playing the Rangers twice. They lost 9-0 to the Rangers, so you never really know what's going to happen. Um, and then they play the Sabres, but at least one of those games is going to be a, kind of a trap game. And yeah, that actually is a trap game because the Sabres suck a lot worse than we do. Um, but remember, we lost 6-1 to one to the Sabres earlier this year. So, I'm not optimistic that Matias Ekholm is going to change the way that they play the game. Um, you know, if they, if they get Ekholm, he'll replace one defensive hole, but there are five others. Um, you know, you, you, this team isn't making the playoffs no matter who they get. I mean, unless they make a trade, apparently the Oilers can make it work with just two guys running their team. So if you, if you can somehow get Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, then maybe then you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. But that's not going to happen. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl aren't going anywhere. So, the Flyers, they're they're not making the playoffs. They're sellers at the deadline for sure. They need to tank. They need to hope to get a high draft pick. And even if they don't, they need to draft a defenseman. With their draft pick, with their first round draft pick, they need to draft a defenseman. Offense isn't really the problem. Um, It's mostly defense. And even the offensive core, they've turned the puck over a lot recently. You know, even Farabee last night, I was surprised. Farabee turned the puck over twice. And one of them, I think, led to a shorthanded or like a, a breakaway goal. So... Yeah, I'm not optimistic. They're they're definitely sellers.
And I was talking, I did a live stream on Instagram yesterday, and I talked a little bit about, a little bit more about which Philly sports team has a chance to win a championship in the next 12 months. Like, what, what are the ratings? Flyers are fourth now on that list. They've dropped all the way down. I would go Sixers, Phillies, Union, because Union, you know, are going to choke in the playoffs again. They do it every year except for 2019. Uh, and then below the Union, then you have the Flyers, and then some high school JV team somewhere winning the Super Bowl, and then the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Um, the Eagles are sixth out of the five teams because they're just so bad. And nothing is going to change that. But anyway, let's move on. Last topic now. Noah Gragson. What message is NASCAR sending to its fans by not suspending Noah Gragson? Here's a message that they're sending. Racing dirty is allowed. Endangering pit crew members is allowed. You know, harming or potentially harming somebody, that's fine. That's what they're saying by not suspending Noah Gragson. They're saying that you can race dirty, you can race bad, you can be a bad driver. He is a bad driver. I don't care how he finishes. I don't care if he almost gets a championship four before he forgets how to drive a car and Harrison Burton passes him. He wrecks his car almost every race. If he, was, if he wasn't in JR Motorsports equipment, he would suck. He would. You can't even deny that. He's in the wall every race, whether it's his fault or not his fault. Like I said, the David Starr incident, you know, that wasn't quite his fault. Some of the other incidents this season, they weren't quite his fault. But when you're winding up in the wall every race, come on now. That car always is scratched up. He doesn't know how to drive. He can't run the wall. I mean, watch that guy at Homestead, Miami. He scrapes the wall on literally every turn. And then he gets a flat tire and wonders why. He's bad. That's why. He's a bad driver. And anybody that says otherwise is kidding themselves. He sucks. And I'm, sh I'm frankly shocked that he wasn't suspended. I mean, come on now. Let's be realistic. Like, you, they, they... They were showing that top angle, which looked like he, which made it look slower, that he slowly was backing up toward Hemrick in order to, in order to pit. But even if that's true, don't you get a fine for that? Don't you get a fine for endangering pit crew members, even if it's accidental? I mean, hell, they suspend crew chiefs and entire pit crew members you know, for not passing inspection, even when the pit crew members are trying their best to make their car good enough that they can still pass inspection. So you can suspend those guys, but you can't suspend the guy for backing up into another driver? Come on now. That's ridiculous. That should have at least been a fine. Even if you don't suspend them, hell, I would have been fine with it. seeing that other angle. Maybe it wasn't a suspension. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But how is that how that isn't a fine? That's insane. That is insane to me how that wasn't a fine. But anyway, that's all for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching. 
Uh, my social media is at FairweatherFan. That's spelled Fairweather and then P-H-A-N. Website is FairweatherFan, spelled the same way, dot .com. Yes, I still have that Weebly link. Next time I see you, Sixers may be front runners for the East. Or at least closer to the Nets in being front runners for the East. I guess we'll see what they do with the deadline. I'm going to try to do a live stream tomorrow on my YouTube channel. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor or something, then that link, you can uh, go to that through the website. And then the website will direct you to the YouTube page. Uh, so I'm going to try to do a live stream for that, a live reaction. I'm going to try to start it at 2 o'clock. Um, the deadline is at 3. So... I expect it will go from 2 to around 3.30. Um, unless there's like a really late move that the Sixers make or something like that. Uh, but if they don't make a late move, then I'm not going to milk it and try to get to 3.30. But it should end sometime between 3 and 3.30. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. And I hope to see you next time on the Fairweather Fan Podcast.